Bernie Eccleston, you were reported in the media recently as saying that F1 doesn't need young fans. Yes, that's right. What did you mean exactly? Well, you know, young people. What do you mean by young? Well, anyone younger than me, I suppose. How old are you now, Mr. Ecclestone? 85 next birthday. So that probably means 90% of the people on Earth are younger than you. Exactly. Now F off and leave me alone with my money. Nyum, 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 nyum. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth. He's Zog. Hello. And he's Richard. Hello. This is a very honest programme. Gareth Jones on Speed, I always say, is at its best when it's just the three of us talking like three soft lads in a pub. Right. We don't cheat, or do we? Because I have to put my hands I've up I've never there. cheated on you, Gareth, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Are you seeing other podcasts? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, how about that time that you did Timmy Mallet at Pace? You did that. I was you hoping you weren't going to bring that up. <laughs> I do occasionally cheat on this programme. I don't know if either of you two even realise, but occasionally, if one of us misspeaks during a lengthy train of thought and one of us says, for instance, Maestro instead of Montego. You or know, accidentally I, says biscuit in the middle of a sentence it, well let's read it again i haven't done that for biscuit ages <laughs> <laughs> i will nip out the wrong word in the edit and use where that person says the right word from another point in the edit and you can't even tell the difference honestly so i would know if that's cheating that's papering over the cracks right but formula one yeah. there's been some superb cheating sadly not for a while i'm trying to think what was the most well, oh, as well, far oh, as we know, we know. Yeah, exactly yeah. yes that's the skill of it isn't it it's lying and getting away with it well, and also what exactly do you mean by cheating because there's okay. outright brazen cheating knowing that you're doing something mm-hmm. wrong and there's Bending the rules mm-hmm. and How, or pushing them to a the fullest extent of your understanding of the rules. Of the rules. Okay, yeah. Let, and, and let's start is... with interpretation of the rules. Okay. For instance, the Braun 2009 car double was diffuser. it? Read the fact that you couldn't have a double diffuser as meaning you can have a double diffuser, and won the championship on the back of that. Yeah, and similarly, McLaren's F-duct. That, to me, is a great example of ingenuity, of smart thinking, good design, and seeing an opportunity. I can't remember who it was that said, you know, there's no such thing as the spirit of the regulations. There are only the regulations. It was you. No, I, I think it was yeah. a designer. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that's it, you know. If you can, you read those regulations, you read them again, then you read them again and again, and then you find a way within those regulations to do something a little bit cleverer, a little bit quicker. Six wheels bit. on your P34 Tyrrell. It oh, did yes. not say your car had to have four wheels, so they made a car with six wheels. Okay, so that's interpretation of the rules, but there have been some outright cheating not just in F1 but in other motorsports as well Richard who would you nominate as the biggest cheat in Formula 1 (laughs) (laughs) or motorsport I'd like to keep my house (laughs) (laughs) so um, 
I don't know. You can't libel the dead, can you? There's some tremendous stories about Tom Walkinshaw yeah. and his yeah, reinterpretations of the rules. There was one story, but I can't remember which race series this was, not Formula One, where they were sort of mandated a certain hotness of cam that they were allowed to use. And supposedly, if the inspectors came around to have a little check of their cam lobes, they'd hoik it out of the engine and then go, oh, hang on, I'll just clean it up for you, dunk it into a sort of oily barrel of water to clean it there'd be another one in there they'd pull that one out because it was legit and not a really hot one that they'd just taken out of the car I don't know if that's true let's just hope that it is that's sleight of hand isn't it it is sleight of hand and that's over the line for me if you're the designer that comes up with the F duct brilliant and I think that in recent years that's one of my favourite bits of F1 smartness because it's not a massively expensive solution that requires you you to spend a huge amount of money refining and developing this particular widget it's just oh we can do this Mm. and bingo you go quicker I love that kind of thinking on the other hand if you're just fragrantly swapping one thing for another Mm. when somebody's checking it that's just cheating I do admire the the goal but there's also I think there's some examples that fall between the two and was it again the risk of libeling or defaming somebody there was a rally team or was a company whose rallying outfit were told in the old days the homologation rules you had to make 200 examples of yes cars and they hadn't made 200 examples and the FIA inspectors or whatever were turning up and so they just did some glorious slight where basically they went okay well here you go here's a car park oh I think there's probably about 50 cars 70 cars here and you can see them here should we go for lunch? And they went for lunch and they came back and went, oh, and this warehouse here, I think there's probably the other hundred and something cars in there, well, thereabouts. We're still making some, so there's probably about 70 in here. Same cars, they just moved them all. Yeah, yeah. I'd heard I, Again, apocryphal I story. I really hope it's true because it reminds me, if you ever remember that kids' programme, Bagpuss, that was on when I was a kid? Yes. Yeah. The mice with the... The uh, mouse magical mouse organ, but the chocolate biscuit factory one. And they showed Bagpuss, they got a factory that made chocolate biscuits, and then he figured out that it was actually the same two chocolate biscuits that would come out of the front <laughs> yeah. and go around the back and put them back in again. So same is this, game. Is this the first example of cheating in motorsport inspired, inspired by, by Bagpuss? <laughs> probably was, yeah. <laughs> the possibly best and worst examples of cheating, in my opinion, I'll start with the worst. I think the worst was, and we can say this because they were caught, was when yeah. Flav instructed PK Jr to hit the wall yeah. in Singapore because Alonso was leading to allow him to win the race. Now, that was cheating, interpreting the rules, the sporting rules at the time. Pretty nasty. I heard that in a way that could suggest that you were suggesting that, that they were okay. just being very clever and okay. No, it was clearly, you know, no, was, no, terrible, no, no, for all yeah, the wrong reasons. Exactly, yeah. I can't, yeah, it's dreadful. It's conspiracy, very, horrible yeah. conspiracy. However, my favourite bit of cheating in Formula One goes back to 1984. The Human League... The alarm, gas top, that period. Tyrrell in Formula One struggling with a car that just couldn't perform against the turbo cars of the age. And, oh, and yeah. so they had a car with had very water. clever brakes, didn't it? Very I clever. Very ingenious. Needed to un- run cool. Unnecessarily cool clever. Brakes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> they needed water injection to keep them cool during the race. So the Strange car had that. these yeah. two, I believe, water reservoirs on board. Mm. So you'd weigh the car before the race. It would go out onto the grid and then the driver would pop the valve, which would release... I don't know, 20 kilograms of water over the track. You got a nice light car that would do very well. That itself was clever, but how are you going to get away with that? It was the solution to the fix to make the car legal at the end of the race, which I think was the most outrageous and superb bit of cheating in Formula One ever. The mechanics, as I understand it, who pushed the car into Park Fermé 
up their sleeves had a pocket and a release where they could drop, I think it was up to 20 kilograms of lead shot back into pockets on the car, whether it was the exhaust or some hideable, what's the word, cubby hole or something. So the car was back up to weight at the end of the race. But they also topped it up with water, didn't they? Because the regulation said that you could... Top up when, with fluids. Yeah, because yeah, when they weighed the car, yeah. you were allowed to top up any fluids before the steward. Oh. So, so, they, so the yeah, fluids had lead so shot they might, in well, it. So they might well have been putting the, putting the but they were also filling up the empty water reservoirs. Now, I agree. I love that. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely love that. I also loved... Um, You've never done that before, the, Richard. Uh, oh, sorry. I think I had a bell earlier on. Um, <laughs> well, the good news, the chicken tikka masala is done. It's a, it's a text from my wife. This is how exciting our lives are. It's a text from my wife telling me that uh, when I go home tonight, not to worry, letting the dog out. But she's actually put, the dog has weed. Oh. I didn't even know that my dog was a stoner, but that would explain why <laughs> she's calmed down quite a lot recently. Yeah, dog has weed, so it's no need to go down to Brixton and make some dodgy vocals. Um, the uh, other parts of London are available to buy drugs in. You're in Hackney. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we used to walk Lucky through not. Camden Town, and I always used to get a bit disgruntled that no one would ever offer me drugs. Not that I wanted to buy them, but I was just quite indignant about it. Just, my wife would always get offered drugs, and I'd go, why are they not offering me? She'd just go, because yeah, you're too square. <laughs> I demand to be offered drugs I don't want and then I remembered my mate Ben's elder brother once was out same thing in Camden Town with a friend of his and they were a bit drunk and this guy went to him with some stuff and they went no we're right and he went yeah I thought not and this guy went well why did you ask well, no, but, so, this thing, so my mate brother Daniel got really indignant and so did his friend and they ended yeah. up buying some crack <laughs> just to prove a point Daniel so, so then Daniel stayed at his mate's house that night he was woken in the morning by his mate going Daniel we bought crack last night <laughs> and then they panicked and, and flushed it down the it. loo <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we digress. Yeah. The reason I got my laptop open is because I wanted to just check who this was. It was something that just reminded me about cheating. Quite recently in the DTM, Matthias Ekstrom was caught afterwards. He'd won the race. He went up to hug his dad and some members of his team at the railing. But TV footage showed that all these people were there primed with bottles of water, which they shoved into the pockets of his Nomex to drench it, to just put a bit of extra weight in, because they knew he was underweight. Oh, that's such a And he got done for it. And it, I, just, I just looked this up to yeah. remind me who it was. And then Audi, who was driving for, appealed because he was disqualified, and it seems like it was rejected. They proved yeah. he was incontinent. No, 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 if you look, it's yellow, and that's why it's heavier. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's that's get it, yeah. Uh, well, that's and, year, so. and that's clear, no question, cheating. Sticking with the borderline tricks, like the Tyrrell brake trick, mm -hmm. the other one that I thought was particularly admirable was the thing that Gordon Murray came up with for the Brabham... The 81 Brabham? Uh, no, no, the fan car, again, fantastic, again great example of lateral thinking yeah. mm. no it was the car that had a trick suspension it was 1981 i think it was it had trick suspension which had dampers such that when the car was on track basically he figured out that he wanted to reduce the ride height but the ride height had to be a minimum of mm. so many centimeters but they measured that when the car was stationary mm. so he came up with some trick dampers in the suspension that as the car was under aerodynamic load and being pressed yeah, down to yeah. the track, the dampers would squash down, but the return rate was incredibly slow. Yeah. And unless the car was actually not being pushed down to the track for, you know, a good few seconds, it wouldn't rise back up. Keeping it generally So lowering. basically, all the time you're running on track, it was squashed down at its lower ride height. Mm. And as soon as you stopped circulating... Yeah. 
comes back up. Oh, and also the other bit was that because he knew that all of the other engineers and all the other teams were going to take a look at the car and see what was going on, you know, something's not right with this, what's he doing? He put fake bits on the car. Yes. He put, like, sort of, you know, a, a box with wires. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly. that car. That was that car, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that is the gold medal. There was nothing of, in the box, uh, we should say. It was just a box with yeah. wires. It was distraction like magicians use. Look at this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what's, what do they call it? Misdirection. Misdirection, Misdirection yeah. yes. How about that? I got a word. Yeah. woo woo yeah, I think Formula One misses cheating. And by that, I mean, I want Flav back. <laughs> no. Uh, he's 60-10. So, lap 14 of this third race in the all-new, all-cheating 2015 F1 Championship. The top three remain the same, all running their suspiciously hot engines and brakes... And have all now pitted for their non-sanctioned extra grippy tyres. Now the question is, which one of the back markers will be the first to deliberately crash? Step petrol! We gotta go jump speed! Here's a sentence I bet I've said before on Gareth Jones' speed. I went to Wales the other week. That happens quite a lot. But I decided to go in a car which I'd seen around and about in London and thought, oh, do you know, that's actually quite a cool car now. Better than it used to be. The car I'm talking about is the Volkswagen Beetle, or the new Beetle, as we prefer to identify it these days. And that is the new, new Beetle. Because the previous generation Beetle, which pretty much introduced the whole retro thing to us all, was a good car, but it looked like it was drawn by someone from Playmobil, I think. It looked like a cartoon of a car, three simple mm. semicircles. Mm. And that centre one, which is the cabin, was just a bit too tall. Now, the new generation Beetle doesn't have that pronounced semicircle for the cabin. It flattens off rather more like the original KDF Wagen of the 1930s, you know, the car which the Beetle grew from. I think in doing that, it's gone from being an interesting car to being quite a cool car. I think it looks cool. Have you noticed the Beetle around, Richard? Do you like it? Mm, no and no. You don't like it? Why don't you like I d- it? I don't mind it. I think it's better looking than the last one. There's a sort of crispness to it that VW do very well. It's still quite a sort of bubbly shape, but actually each individual panel and line is quite sculpted. And I do admire yeah. that, but I just don't like it because of its retroness and because I think it's still quite cutesy. And you don't really see them around. I don't understand why particularly, but the Mini and the Fiat 500, the two retro cars that you're right, kind of... It opened the way for them. Yeah, it opened a door for that sort of car design. Runaway successes, and I don't think the Beetle is. I'd be really interested to see if VW replace it. Really? The first generation new Beetle in the US was a huge hit. Yeah. I don't think it's ever really done the business here. It's a bit niche, and Mm. it's a bit pricey. It probably costs them not much to build because they make it in Mexico. Yeah. So I guess labour costs are lower. And it's based on the last generation Golf, so it's, yep. you know, the development costs have been written off yonks ago on that. And I think, as far as I know, it doesn't have the fancy multi-link back axle that you can get on Golfs. Can't have. It's yeah. just 
a beam axle, so it's pretty low tech. The old Beetle used the eight valve two liter engine for a lot yeah, of its yeah. life. The engine family from the seventies. Your observation about the Mini and the Fiat Five Hundred there made me think. You know, why don't we see more Beetles than Five Hundreds and Minis? And I think the answer is size. It's an American car. It's mm. built for the Mexican and the American market. It's great. Can you imagine though if VW had based this car not on the Golf platform but on the Polo platform? Imagine a car that looked like a Beetle but was about the size of the Mini or the Fiat 500. How cute would it be? Yeah, how much would it be? Yeah, I don't know. Not the show. No, not the show. We had a conversation. Oh, did we? Was it real life? It was real life conversation. Yeah, because that's the thing. I don't think you could do it because you need the sort of the scale to be able to get those those proportions and those curves. There's a lot of wasted space because of the styling. The cabin is tiny compared to the footprint of the car, and it would be a two seater. Well, I mean, that sort of three semicircle design, that sort of three curve design is quite limiting. Mm. I think you're quite right. The newer New Beetle is an improvement. The old one suffered from, in a way, I think trying to kind of execute too thoroughly this design concept mm. and mm. Did didn't it, quite work. Did have its benefits. I have a mate called Rob Hart who lives out in Pasadena and Rob is probably over 74 feet tall. He's a very <laughs> tall man. Very, very tall man. And he could only buy two cars in America that he could drive. One was the new Beetle because there was enough headroom for him. It was uh, a, yeah. a perfect for a tall person. And the other one surprisingly was... A oh, Fiat gosh. 500 with a hole cut in the roof. Yeah, with his head completely clear of it. No, it was... Um, uh, this is that gag off The Simpsons, you remember? There's a yeah. whole thing with a very tall man in an old-school Beetle, and Nelson, ha-ha, laughs at him, and the guy stops and gets out and grabs him by the scruff and goes, uh, does my choice of automobile amuse you? And there's a whole <laughs> thing about it. I remember this. So Rob's other car that he could fit in, I just remembered, was the Ford slash Mazda slash Kia, when Kia was part owned by Mazda, oh, yeah. Aspire. Do you remember the Aspire? Oh, no, no, no. The fest was it the Aspire or was it the one two? It was the one two one. The one with a canvas roof that went back. Yeah, he could fit in there. Mm. So it was certainly successful for America as a bigger car. You're right; it would be quite a small car if it was based on the smaller. I think it'd be tiny because if you think about the overall width of the car, the cabin then sits inboard of that because the wings have to stand proud. That's what annoys me about it. It's designed for design's sake. It's sort of Mm. willfully compromised in a way that, and I don't mind. You know, something looks stylish, then you compromise functionality a little bit. But I think it's just idiotic. I think it's stylish, I suppose. But what I would yes, do with it yeah. is allude to those wings mm. in the design. It doesn't actually have to have the full wings, but you can suggest them in the design. Now, I think you can get a car of that look into that size. In the meantime, we're stuck with this one, which is a great car. I chose a brave engine for the car. How many engines? There are 29 different engines you can have in the Beetle. Actually, I think there's, I think there's five, I think. I didn't read this. But the engine I chose was the 1.2 litre turbocharged four-cylinder which is a polo engine I suppose to get it in the Golf as well not the most powerful engine in the world perhaps not the best engine for that car I got 38 miles to the gallon it was reasonably willing it had the DSG gearbox which was nice but it stopped it from being a driver's car. I think there mm. probably are Beetles with bigger engines. Well, there are Beetles with bigger engines that are probably much better driver's cars. But you know what? This was the Cabriolet. And the people who are going to buy the Cabriolet aren't going to be buying this car to drive it. They'll be buying this car to enjoy it. And I really enjoy it. cruise rather than yeah, drive. Yeah, man, 
it's a minimum automobile. You know, the original Beetle was not a performance car, was nope. it? It was a car for everybody. Yeah. A car for... And I think this tiny engine allows it to be exactly that, a car for everybody. Well, a car for everybody who doesn't care about cars. Thing. Yeah, convertible for everybody. And it was fun. The roof popped back, no problem, in about seven seconds. <laughs> Roof's gone. That's incredibly quick. Yeah, it felt like it. Wow. But that is one of the less exciting areas of automotive technology that really has come along, you know, in the last Well, I remember years, the Honda you know, S2000 set a so new benchmark better. a while back. It may have been nine seconds, and sorry. Was, I think, because <laughs> the Honda S2000 was something, I forget, like 12 seconds, and that seemed like, it was mind-bogglingly fast. The mm. crucial thing was, it was fast enough to be able to put it back at some traffic lights. Because mm. there's nothing worse. I did this in a Lexus SC430. Yeah, pudding. Slightly awkward one. With a folding metal roof, yeah. and tried to put it back at some traffic Lights, lights changed, I panicked and drove off with the roof half down. People probably Nelson out of the hip Simpsons going, ha ha, because he looks stupid. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the thing, yeah, I think you particularly in this country, yeah. you see someone putting the roof back on their convertible and people think, flashed. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So the quicker you can get that ah. over and done with, the less ah. people are looking and at you. And in the yep. defence yep. of the Beetle, I at no point felt when I took the roof off that anyone looked at me in this car, which is what they call denim blue which is a good colour for a Beetle. Do you remember the 1970s Beetle 1303 Jeans edition? Do you remember that, Richard? You know, I, 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 I've heard of it. The seats were actually covered in denim with studs. It was so cool. I loved that car. How 70s is The that? 70s. Yeah, I was there, man. I wanted that car. So this was not a threatening convertible. If you're going to yeah. drive an unthreatening convertible, there are some convertibles you look at and you go, oh, God, that's a terrible car. The Mitsubishi, I'm thinking, of, amongst others. Oh my lord, that's awful. But the Beetle convertible, it's a friendly, unthreatening, joyous car. I really enjoyed my time in that car because I got let in at junctions. Everyone loves a Beetle. I don't. Apart from you. I don't. I think that's part of my problem with the modern Beetle is I hate the old Beetle. So, basically, I've. You ever owned one? An old Beetle. No, I've driven them quite a lot, yeah. and I still hate them. So, uh, yeah. you know, I feel like I've done my bit. I, mean, yeah, I made a whole programme about them years ago. And you do mean old, old Beetle? Yeah, as the air cool yeah. 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 I just yeah. like rearrange your bit. You're driving no, a car no, today. I've got, got a lot of affection for them. We'll continue this. Okay, we're going to have to continue this reception later. Possibly with swords on the heath at John. If I was going to redesign the Beetle, which I have to say... i tell you what you do. You'd make it squared off, give it five doors, call it the Gol. Yeah! I think it'd be a really great family car. If I was going to redesign the Beetle, it would actually be very much like the car that you're driving today because you're in a Twingo. Yeah, Twingo outside. Yeah, proper little rear engine. Yeah, you know it's the nearest thing there is to a Beetle, as I would imagine it. Smaller, and actually put the engine in the back, it would be great. But why? I mean, that's the thing. I think. Packaging. Well, yes, that's the thing. I mean, that's the reason why the engine is at the back in the Twingo. And if you're doing it for a sound logical reason, as they are, and because they've got economies of scale by buddying up with smart, you know, the next smart cars are the same underneath. That's fine. I'm quite glad that the one thing Volkswagen didn't do is put the engine at the back in the new Beetle just because. Because mm. I think that would have been even more stupid. And it's the reason the up was going to be yeah, rear-engined. Mm-hmm. The concept mm-hmm. up was rear-engined. And they couldn't get the economies of scale to build a rear engine car when all their other ones are front-engined. Because they had to adapt the engine so much mm. 
they wouldn't have had any commonality with the ones that go into polos and golfs and different and cooling stuff. requirements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. No, yeah. because it has to be canted over as well, otherwise you end up with sort of no boot space, which yeah. is what it is in the Twingo. It's, yeah. it's sort of it's laying not flat, but it's quite angled, mm. and it's a little three-cylinder turbocharged smart engine. I know this is really a consideration for a lot of modern cars, but how easy is it to get at and do anything to that Twingo engine? That's a good question. I haven't looked, but I will look tomorrow because okay. it's dark now. But I haven't looked looked in the boot. The boot's quite small, but the floor's quite high because there is an engine under there. But I haven't actually looked. I mean, I remember I used to have a smart roadster as a long-termer from mm. Evo, and you lifted up the boot floor, and you could see the engine, and you had to keep an eye on the oil in that car. And for some reason, I always check the oil when it was hot. I forget why. You're looking at it going, well, I'm glad I'm not changing the spark plugs on that or anything. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty fiddly mm. down there. I'd imagine it's broadly the same Similar in the Twingo yeah because yeah. so smarts are I mean but I was driving a smart car once and something went a bit awry with it I can't remember what we had it up at Evo so we took all the covers off to have a little yeah. look as you do you know in a normal car something goes wrong and you pop the bonnet as if the bit that's wrong is going to go hi it's me here or it's going to be flashing. broken yeah, yeah. yeah it's going to be snapped yeah. yeah we were sort of peering into it and then someone was sort of trying to crawl underneath it and we just couldn't see a damn thing so I guess it's the same in the Twingo I'll have a look tomorrow and I'll let you know but yeah it's a bit disappointing actually that Twingo because really? well because I, it's very different it's different it's I a four like door rear engine yeah. car it's a, it's a, it's yeah a, I think yeah. it looks alright but not uh, many of them since Tata stopped making no Tatra, well Tatra. Yeah, yeah once Skoda stopped making Estelle's and yeah, things as well yeah. yes it's, it's a rare breed so in engineering terms it's different to an Igo and up all those other little cars yeah but it feels just like them in fact if anything it's not quite as nice to drive as many of them because it's got very low geared steering got a lot of turbo lag weirdly uh-huh. remember that uh-huh. it's like being in the 80s but not uh-huh. in a good way yeah. and yeah it just feels quite ordinary and I thought some I don't know what I imagined but I just thought it would feel different and interesting okay it's a great shame that VW didn't manufacture the up as a rear-engine car, because that would have been the perfect platform for a micro-sized Beetle, which I think would be an enormous hit, because mm. it's so unthreatening. As it is, as a bigger car, I'll accept it. It didn't feel like a big car in the grand scheme of things. It's too big for a city car. And I would welcome the chance to drive some of the bigger engine, more powerful versions of that car. But you know what? I bet they're not as charming as a low-powered Beetle. That's going to be one of the cheapest cabriolets you can buy. I mean, wonderful thing. I enjoyed it. The end. Sorry. I went on well, that's there. the thing. Yeah, I, just, I just looked at this. basic yeah. price on that. 22 22 oh, yeah. yeah. Your spec sheet says £22,580. And that's yeah. without options. There's a few options on it. it doesn't yeah. Oh, the weird. best option! The sound system! It was Fender branded. I loved that, seeing Fender on it, but it, by gum, well, it worked very well. And no okay. top car, it was fantastic. You know, on one level, I know we're excited by that. Yeah. On another level, my first reaction is just massive cynicism because yeah. Fender make guitar amps that distort. They yeah. don't make good stereo yeah. systems. Well, yeah. which, do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. So that's just a bit of branding. That's just yeah. getting another brand yeah. onto the Volkswagen. And, you know, why? I, but you know what? It was a great sound system. Well, there you go. It was a great sound system. It genuinely was. Number one son remarked on it. Girlfriend remarked on it. Most of the people in South Wales who heard me listening. And you well, know, some cars have a resonant it's frequency. Probably, it's probably, Lovers it's, Rock. It's probably a Harman Kardon amp. It's probably a Harman Kardon yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. This car enjoyed Lovers Rock. That sort of brand of soft reggae. Slushy reggae, yeah. Yeah, and I drove around South Wales with the roof off listening to that. It was perfect. Good car. It was the 70s all over again. Why I've stopped you, sir? Um, no, officer, was I speeding? In this Volkswagen? 
Not likely, is it, sir? It's only a 1.2. Oh, well, was it because I was playing my music too loudly? Goodness me, sir, no. I'm an enormous fan of lovers' rock and all types of soggy reggae. Oh, so why have you stopped me then? It's perfectly simple, sir. The music, the car, the 70s vibe, if you will. Would you like to buy some weed, sir? Go on. We busted Howard Marks again last week. We've got loads of the stuff down the station. Everything is airy, isn't it? One thing I didn't mention about that Beetle, which I think is probably the greatest thing on that car, the steel wheels. If you see a new Beetle, go and look at the steel wheels. They are fantastic. You don't need lightweight mag alloys to be cool. These old steel wheels were magnificent. We should bring more of those into cars. Yeah, I mean, no, that, there's nothing wrong point. with a good, honest bit of steel. I love a steel wheel. It's a bit of a lost art, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah. alloy wheels, which used to be the preserve of top-of-the-range cars, it seems unthinkable now that in the 80s, the entry-level and sometimes mid-level Mercedes S-Class Jaguar XJ oh, came with wheel trims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had to pay more for hub, alloys unless you got the top model. Hubcaps. Hubcaps. It's sort and, of and horrible, horrible plastic wheel trims. Horrible plastic wheel trims. And, or, uh, Montego wheel trims. Well, that's the thing. There were some great wheel trim designs because you could probably do a bit more with plastic than you could with alloy, particularly at the time. Yeah. But now, everything pretty much has alloys unless you're getting the absolute bum basic model. And even that will have wheel trims on it. What I miss... A steelies, proper steel wheels, oh, yeah. and just good, silver workmanlike with just a centre cap mm. and nothing else. And I think they get them on the Dacia range. The basic mm-hmm. Dacias mm-hmm. have them. But even that, I think the Dacia Sandero, the bog one that's six grand, has steel wheels. As soon as you pay another six hundred quid for the one that you want, it's actually got central locking and stuff. You stick it, some wheel trims on it. I think, why? What's the shame? Have the steel wheels. Do you remember the wheels? They won't fall off. They're recessed more, so they won't scuff like the plastic trims They're good and hard-wearing, and, you know, you want a wheel to be hard-wearing. It's doing a lot of hard work close to the ground. Series 2, 3, Fiesta, the base model, the L, or the C, as it was called in Europe, if I remember. Do you remember the steel wheels on that car? Oh, where they had cutouts, yeah. Yeah, it was a classic steel wheel for That was, actually, and that was great. And they Mm. were on, because I had a Ford Cat. Yeah. A very early one. And they were on that, except they'd stuck wheel trims over it. And I sort of toyed uh-huh. with prising off the trims off yeah. and spraying the thing silver. But actually, oddly enough, the steelies look much smaller than the wheel trims. The wheel trims were deliberately designed on that car to make the wheels look as big as possible. So they were in proportion to the car and it looked a bit odd without. So mm-hmm. I didn't. And then I think when they ran out of those old Fiesta wheels, later cats, if you saw them when the trims fell off, they just had much more conventional round holes, steel wheels. Yeah. And that was then the Fiesta steel wheel with the only example i can think of a car company making a design feature out of the steel wheel because it presumably cost them the same to punch triangles out of the rim rather than circles mm-hmm. and make it a bit stylish mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. fair play to them yeah, yeah. Was, was forward at their best yeah no cost but some kind of perceived benefit yeah and they're uh, very good at that sort of thing the poor ford motor company you can't buy a mondeo with steel wheels can you can you buy a mondeo yet you can't buy a nobody new really knows i think they brought out that new mondeo and then immediately cancelled it because it was too old um <laughs> i don't i'm not sure okay what other old styling or features did we have on cars in the past that are ripe 
for a comeback. You know, my vote would be, apart from steel wheels, would be the Venetian blinds on the rear window. Uh, a la Lancia HPE, or, I don't know, Uraco. Capri's or, or, always seemed to have them as an aftermarket, didn't they? I think yes. at a certain point in the, yes. up until the 80s. Venetian blinds? They sort of, you can have a similar effect, although I suppose it's meant to reference the Mura on the Lamborghini Huracan. Slightly slatty, but not the go into Halfords, buy a big bendy bit of black plastic and stick it over the back window of your Capri or Sierra or what have you. I'm not sure that's going to come back anytime Aww. soon. But that's the, I think the steel wheel is due a comeback as a sort of new minimalism. Yeah, the new minimalist car, of which I count the Beetle and the Cactus and the entire Dacia range is gaining purchase, isn't it? This is the problem I had with the Cactus, which I liked, but I think it had a slightly confused feeling to it because on the one hand, it seemed like it was designed to sort of be quite upmarket and the minimalist interior was in an upmarket minimalist way like a Scandinavian hotel or an iPod or something. And there's very few buttons on the buttons there were. The switch pack was ringed in chrome and they're all quite nice little soft touch buttons. You thought they've spent some money here. The door pulls were like the handles off an old suitcase. And again, you thought Mm. they've spent a bit of money here. But then there were other bits of it that felt like minimalism for the sake of cheapness. And some of the plastics were a bit thin and scratchy and there's no grab handles above the doors and stuff like that. They just skimped. And it was sort of like, is this a cheap car and simple so that it can be cheap? Mm. Or is it a simple car because of likeness and because they want to be minimalist so to where, appeal where, to an intellectual customer? And I couldn't quite work out if they even knew that. Where do you stand then on the almost late Tata Nano? Now, the Tata Nano has not been the hit we were expecting no. it to be in India. Can you visualise a minimalist Tata Nano-esque car for the UK? Nice steel wheels on the Tata Nano. Mm. You know, the minimum automobile, you've heard me say this a number of times on the show, I'm a big fan of. What's the nearest thing we've got on the market in the UK to that? In a way, I wonder whether it's some of the very cheap little lecky city runarounds and things like the absolutely ghastly G-Wiz, you know. Mm. It only works in town. It's not good anywhere outside of a city, yeah. but, mm. but maybe that's kind of the nearest thing. Mm-hmm. It's just hard, you know, though. It, it is hard. There's nothing good about it. Someone who lives near me, I walk the dog past sometimes, they've got a Skoda City Goat, which is, you know, the VW oh. up by oh. another name. Hey. And it's the base model. Yeah. Now, it's got wheel trims on it, but yeah. I think you could probably prise them off and hopefully there'll be a nice steel wheel under there. Mm. It's got the black door handles, black door mirrors, so you know it's the base model. It's bright red as well, which you don't get a lot of red cars mm. anymore. That's another thing that this, should this be coming like back. This sounds like quite a bright red car. I noticed a red City Go. It mm. got my attention to the point at which it disconnected me neck. Jaunty. It looks nice. Splendid. And I look at this red. base model City Go and I just mm. go, I can't remember how much they are now. I should look this up. But I just thought, yeah. well, that's sort of all you need, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, for yeah. zooming around town. I mean, what why would you, why would you not? Because yeah. that feels like, again, that feels like a very nicely minimalist car but in a way where the minimalism is clever it doesn't feel like you're being sold short it feels like they've gone minimal because that's the best way and skoda's the kind of company who you trust to put that kind of package together Mm. you know to do a really good value well-engineered no frills package no question i saw a red golf actually a new shape golf handsome just yesterday bright red i started thinking about red cars because i was driving a kia soul which yeah, is bright red. It was. And I thought, looked splendid. That's, that's ace that it's yeah. bright red. Golf looked fantastic. And I, and I wonder if this is because some people get the red right because they get it very vibrant. I also then saw a red Toyota of some sort and it didn't work. It, the red wasn't quite zingy enough. Uh-huh. And maybe so, it's also not, the shape. Not, but There's yeah. a I mean, very zingy Toyota Igo in 
bright orange parked on this road and the contrast between that big black X on the front and the orange. And it, yeah. it, I mean, it looks like a sniff petrol car. Um, so... <laughs> I uh, you didn't hear that. I did, I'm just ignoring it. Because <laughs> if I said, yeah, you're right, it would imply that I like that bright orange Igo. And I don't... I like the Igo to drive, but I, one of the things my beef with it is it's trying too hard. That big X thing on the really? front, all that advertising, I think it's just trying too hard. And it doesn't need to try because it's a very good little car. And also, this is the thing, this new generation of small cars, we're living in a house in time for small cars. There's mm-hmm. a lot of them around. Mm-hmm. And this sort of car companies make oh, yeah, no got, money on them. But there's, there's so yeah. many out there now. Mm. And I sort of think, well, that means the bar is high. And they're generally very good little things, and they all do their job properly, but some better so than anything others. Anything with a big whopping X on it comes just below the bar. Well, that's the thing you sort of don't... Well, no, it's it not. Just... That's the thing, but it was so good to drive. And, and what's interesting as well is that there's various claims about it. I think the reason people are doing them is because there's a new desire for economy. Petrol's more expensive than ever. And Fiat Twin being a great case in point, and my Twin Air does 39 miles to the gallon everywhere. I borrowed the new 105 horsepower Twin Air the other week, 39 miles to the gallon everywhere. That Twingo I'm driving, I just checked the computer on that. I've had it for a week almost, driving around London, and it's doing 36 to the gallon. It's mm. not what it's claimed. The Igo, 50 everywhere. Wow. Mm. So, wow. anyway, I just looked this up. Skoda City Go, absolute yep. bog basic, three-door, £8,210. So, you mm. know. That's a lot of car. There you go. That's, that is all you need. Just go you and get one do. of those. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up, but I'm going to leave us with an observation on little cute city cars made not by me, but my number one son the other day. We were out driving together, and he said to me, Dad, you know the Fiat 500, a bath? I said, yes, the Abarth 500, yeah. Do they make that so blokes can buy them? <laughs> Do you know what? We joke, but for a 14-year-old, I think it was pretty close to the truth. They've introduced that Sport with different bumpers on it. It looks more like an Abarth without being an Abarth, so you can still have the cheaper engine in it. I think that's the reason why. You mean an automobile, but it's because it's a little bit less girly. You've been listening to the less girly Richard Porter. Goodbye. The not at all girly Zog. Goodbye. <laughs> What are they Goodbye. And I would call myself metrosexual, but I like girls and I've never owned a metro. I'm Scarif. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>